Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. Thank you for joining us. It is time for That Davis Show. I'm your host, Kenneth Davis, and I'm always lucky enough to be joined by the executive producer of That Davis Show and Flipping Friends, the one, the only, Ryan Bukovetsky. Follow Ryan at Ryan B. Ski and Ryan B. Ski one on Instagram, and I'm sorry to get my Addy. Uh, follow me at That's Davis on everything. Even I, I was on Twitch with uh, Gabe and D, uh, and I, I got a Twitch. Yeah, he, he, he brought D and Davis back tonight. Uh, oh, so crazy little bitch. Okay. <laughs> he said, what's, "He said what's up to you too." Uh, actually, oh okay. Uh, what's yeah, up? He said what's up to you. Uh, but we were only to talk a little bit about Kobe, which we'll, we're going to talk about Kobe. But I want to talk about Kobe at the end of the show because I think that's how we should sign off uh, talking about something. Uh, Kobe, uh, those those his daughter and those other seven people that passed uh, the 26th of last year. Uh, kind of started the year off in that terrible direction that the year took. Um, mm-hmm. If you know D, my former co-host, uh, he lost his grandmother and a cousin to COVID, um, and I lost my brother uh, to complications from cancer. Um, and who my knows? grandma passed away. I don't yeah. think it was COVID related, but who knows? It was still and, early enough. And that's just us three. Um, there was so many. My, I, some of my closest friends, I know. My one of my boys lost his grandmother and his grandfather. They weren't, you know, from uh, his father's side and his mother's side. Um, I've, I've, just, I've just had a lot of a lot of people. Look at Cat Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, my God, right. So family ravaged by it. It's been a hard year to say the least. But you know what? We'll get into that at the end of the show. Let's start off and get this popping with off top. Take off the top. Top. The tippy. All right. My first off top is something that um, I was talking, I think it was with Russell Squares on Sean and Maya last week. And I asked him this question. And I mean, we've talked about it on this show plenty of times. And the question is, if if Wendell Carter keeps getting injured, is he injury prone? Is he injury prone? And when do we start to be like, I don't know about this? And he's out four weeks now with, a, I believe, a right quad contusion. Listen, I get that why he's a media darling here in Chicago. Uh, seems like a, 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 an outstanding young man, uh, straight laced and everything, and wants to be one of the, the leaders on the team and, and right the ship. So I understand that. But it's the amount of production that he's given the Bulls that kind of makes me reticent. Um, I just don't feel like he's given it as enough production to get the amount of love that he he, he gets out of uh, the media. The media kind of, in a way to me, has always given him a pass. And I wouldn't even care if his numbers, if he was averaging the low double-double, so I'm saying like 11 and 10, uh, I wouldn't care and it wouldn't be a problem then. And you would still want something more out of this guy who, you know, you were saying was going to be one of the uh, the key cogs of your team. Um, but it's the fact that he's not available. And if you're not available, that's the biggest issue in anything, even outside of sports. If you're not available and you can't play and you can't go then what use do you have for the most part and that's with the greatest athletes you know what they always say you know if you can't get out there on the field you really can't be telling us what to do in the huddle you know what I'm saying we, we kind of move on and move past you um, so that's my issue when it comes to Wendell Carter I, I hope that Wendell Carter gets to the point where he's uh, healthy I mean we've seen this for instance we saw this and this is a different sport uh, we saw this Matthew Stafford 
uh, for years, outside of these last couple of years, not this season, the season before, the season after that with the back. Uh, Matthew Stafford, at the beginning of his career in the NFL with the Detroit Lions, was injury prone coming from Georgia. Oh, yeah. The question was, how, can he stay healthy? And he had years where he was a rock. Uh, so we we have seen it. You know what I'm saying? We've seen it with with different players. Uh, Big Z from Cleveland, who had bad feet. Zerona uh, Sogowskis had bad feet and, and ended up having a long career when it looked like he wasn't going to have good. Sam Bowie uh, coming out of Kentucky, being drafted by uh, the, the, the um, Portland Trailblazers. How about uh, Andrew Bynum, who was basically put together by padding, but still was one of the top centers for a little stretch yeah. there? You know, so you you can at a point in your career be prone to injury, but to stay, come back and sustain uh, being uninjured. Look at Derrick Rose, you know, for the last three seasons. So I'm not I'm not I'm not wishing this on him. It's just one of those things where I'm always thinking about. The pass that I believe he gets, and somewhat deservingly so, but I mean, it, it really comes down to what you're doing on the court, regardless if we like you or not, because we think you're a good, a good young man. So that's my off top when it comes to uh, young Wendell Carter Jr. I wish you a fantastic career. I hope your health improves. I hope they get to the root of why it seems that you're getting injured. Um, with under a new management, you would think that the training staff has changed because the Bulls have had, have had a myriad of problems with keeping players uh, healthy uh, for decades, uh, to, to say the least. We can always go. We always punch the Lou Bang situation with the spinal tap that went wrong. You know, but especially so, this Bulls team the last three or four years. Oh, my yeah. gosh, they can't stay healthy. Yeah, the excuse has always been they're never on the court together. Well, right. they're never on the court together. What are you doing to get them on? Are you this is this is a George McCaskey thing. Are you self-reflecting? Yes. Like, are you looking inward to know what the training <laughs> staff is doing and what has the training staff changed from what they were doing. Is the training staff self-reflecting? Because clearly there's something that you're not doing. Because other teams don't go through the amount of injuries that the Bulls have gone through the last four years where the key cogs from I know he's 20 like something guys. Yeah, young, like, we're, young. we're not talking 30s or late right. 20s. We're talking teens and early 20s. From Laurie to Zach. Zach has probably been the healthiest out of all of them, but Laurie, Zach, he's not here. Chris Dunn, Wendell Carter, you know what I'm saying? Like these players for uh, uh, for the last three years, well, don't take this, take this year out of it. The three years prior didn't get to play with each other. Now I know Wendell is only in his third year, but you still get the drift of what I'm, the gift of what I'm saying though, is the fact that there's something to do with the training staff too. When you keep running into the injury bug, you're doing something internally that's, that's not benefiting these players and keeping them healthy. All right. And you uh, nailed it. Best ability in sports, availability. Availability. That's hey. the old saying. Listen, it's number one. Availability, even to this, like, hey, I can't, I can't do this show without my partner in crime. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're not available, as I can, whatever, then it's not gonna pop. So. Right. I mean, with anything, your job. Listen, you're not going to keep that job. Right. You keep not showing up. Be like, man, right. I'm sick. I'm sick again, boss. Or if you need a coworker or supervisor and they're just never there for you, then how are you going to succeed? Right. And then how do I tell somebody above them without letting them know? So then they fire me. Whatever. You get what I'm <laughs> Listen, my last off time. Oh, you're a black man? You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> no! My last off time. Uh, today marks the 35th anniversary of the last and only Super Bowl that the Chicago Bears made made it to and won. Um, it was a blessed That's thing. It? I was just 35? 35 years. I was a wee lad at the time of the, the Super Bowl. I remember uh, my older brother 
Uh, he could draw. Uh, he, he still can draw. Uh, if you, if, I don't know if you've seen like a couple of the paintings. Uh, a couple times you came to my house. Uh, he has this, he has this um, Professor Hope that's like dope. Uh, it's oh, like man, in, in the dining cool. room. Yeah. You but anyway, yeah, he's my favorite Hulk, actually. But um, here's the thing. My brother drew this picture, right? And this is when you got to remember back then the Patriots were using the, uh, the, the, the red jacket, the, the, you know, the red jacket guy, which is still kind of dope. They should kind of bring that dude back yeah. out. Uh, the red, you know, I forget what the, I don't I forget what the, what it was called. So Musketeer? Uh, what's called Musketeer? It works for me, right? No, I guess Musketeer. it's, yeah, revolutionary. Red coat, the red, red. coat. Well, red it can't coat. be red coat, right? No, because the British are the red English, coat, right? Yeah. 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 Ah, all right. So this is, a, this is the point. Uh, you traitorous so, bastard! Exactly. He's <laughs> a treacherous type, tra- treasonous, treasonous times right now, to say the least. Benedict and Arnold. But he had uh, two of those dudes, those those army guys, just looking just like the, the insignia. They're like in the stadium, like, and it's like they're in uh, Soldier Field, right? And they're scrambling, and they have like those the guns with the uh, what's the, what's the knife at the end of the gun? Oh, uh, the bayonet. Uh, yeah, the bayonet. They have the bayonet, and he has a bear, a huge bear, climbing over into the stadium. It was. Dope as a cool. kid, and, and it's not. And the thing about it, he didn't like see this. He just made this up out of his head. Like a lot of times, he he wasn't. He didn't trace. He didn't cheat. He would look at a picture of we collect the comic books growing up, and he would sit there and he wouldn't trace it. He would draw his version. It's, it'd be close to that version, but his version of that picture or whatever. He that's a t- he just he didn't do anything with. It. He had an I can't because I can't draw for shit. All yeah. right. Like I'm terrible. You need a straight line. You call somebody else, right? Um, but he definitely has the talent to draw. Uh, but I just remember, I remember getting off the bus one time on 79th Street, and it was this place called Oasis on uh, 79th between Merle and uh, Clyde. It was a um, one part where they had was like a, a little restaurant that had video games in it. So it was like the after school hangout spot. It was like the first after school hangout spot with video games on 79th Street. Then we had Noah's a few years later. But next to Oasis, and I believe they were owned by both, was like a, a little boutique or a store that sold like different stuff. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they had the Super Bowl shuffle in there. And I'm telling my mother, I remember like, man, I want that. And my mother, uh, she she bought the Super Bowl shuffle, and we was at the crib. We got the bed shuffle, 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 shuffle down, down, doing it, doing it for you. We're so good. But listen, they call me sweetness, and I like oh. this. Oh, running the ball is like making romance. Listen, oh. right? and the funny thing is, teams tried to tried to do that. It was never as good. No. It was. I think I think the Washington football team did it. Maybe the Raiders did it. And uh, I forget, perhaps. Um, I, I feel like the Bears almost invented swag with that eighty-five ten. It was di- listen. It was different. I mean, they, they think about it, the Super Bowl shuffle came out before before the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. like, they were just insane. like, "We're winning. Let's right. do this." It's a, it's a wrap. Um, but yeah, it, it's been thirty-five years since they won the Super. I should have said won the Super Bowl because they did make the Super Bowl again in 06. I, I forgot to say that, but they lost, so it doesn't count. Yeah. We're from Chicago. We only take victories right. here. We don't listen. We don't hang up uh, 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 divisional banners right. over yeah. conference banners over here in the city. Look, that 06 Super Bowl counts to me if you don't go through like a decade of one playoff appearance in the previous decade that you're in. 
You know, like right. you got to have some sustained success if you want a Super Bowl loss to count for something. <laughs> I agree. Because basically what you're saying, it, it would be different if you made it to the, the NFC Championship game a few times. Maybe you even made it to another Super Bowl and lost. And, and you could be looked at, and it's not the same as four Super Bowls in a row, but it'd be similar to those Bills teams from the early 90s mm-hmm. who made it four years in a row. I remember being a kid like, man, would y'all stop making it? Right. And it was like, the, it was, oh right. my goodness. It was just. I would stopped. think of Andy Reid and the Eagles. Like, they're just NFC Great Championship point. after NFC Championship. Wait, oh, was, was he, did they go to four or five? They went to four straight, I believe, and lost all of them except one. Because I think, didn't Aaron Rodgers just tie Donovan Nav's record? I think it's like. Yeah. Making it sounds to, about right. It's, it's either making it to four or five championship games and only winning one. Uh, out of those, uh, that, that was the year where uh, Donovan made it to the Super Bowl and lost to Tom Brady and the Patriots when T.O. had the uh, broken bone in his leg that we know Dang that Donovan on. was, oh yeah, was earling and doing whatever from uh, partying late. Anyway, but still, it's, I want to bring up the 35 years because it's, um, it's messed up that here in a city like Chicago, and sometimes I hate saying the Bears are a charter franchise because it's like, it's like saying I'm, I'm a bad B. I'm a bad B. But you ain't been like a bad B in 70 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad B, right? It's like, it's like Betty White, like showing her. She's like, look at this bad bitch. <laughs> like, you used to be bad when, when, when women were floppers. Like, that's right. how long it's been since you've been a bad B, right? Who is, was it May West or something? Like, May Young, like, well, you got a gun in your pocket or you're just excited to see me? I think like, May West. I like, you're May showing West. one of those? Exactly. Like, Charter woman right here. <laughs> so that, so that it, it, it is true that they are a charter franchise of the NFL, but like they haven't done anything to stand out and to really stand on top of that with, with broad shoulders and say, here I am and look at us from back then till today. So sometimes saying it is kind of just like, whatever, that doesn't really count. That's like somebody saying that they're your daddy that didn't raise you. I'm your daddy. Like, Raise me, right? right. <laughs> my father did raise me, but <laughs> like, just, I know, just, I know that brother didn't have his father. He's like, best I did. He was a fantastic. Yeah, if anything, it was the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, I, I, it's interesting when we talk about the Kobe thing. Uh, you kind of jumped into my head, um, so I, I want to bring you into that discussion later on the end of the show. But still. Uh, looking at the Bears, and it's been 35 years, also showing us how old I am. Also, because you know the worst thing about it, man? So many of y'all haven't experienced winning a Super Bowl. Like, I've had every championship in Chicago in my lifetime. And I knew I was going to get a black president or half black president. I knew I was going to get that. So, I, and I got that. But I've had the Bulls, Cubs, Sox, Blackhawks, Bears all winning in my yeah, the life. The only one I'm missing is the Bears. I've seen yeah, them and- all. And it's been, listen, it may be the sweetest of them all. Depending on the team, I'll say this, depending on the team, because that, that Rex Grossman team, yeah. I love that defense, but I was, I right. wasn't, the vibe oh, wasn't, as, it wasn't as hard as I needed to be, like the 85 Bears with Jim McMahon, Willie Gault, especially Sweetness, uh, 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 Covert, you know, just all the, like their offensive guys. Right. Dennis McKinnon, like you, 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 you felt like okay, yeah, it's a defensive team, but yo, we got we're the greatest running back of all time right. right here. We about to get him a Super Bowl, like one of the greatest you, offensive lines in this Pro Bowl quarterback. True, you know what I'm saying. So it's it was a, it, you you felt justified, I should say, in being there. Um, but I call out the Bears ownership. 
Um, especially going back to the, the, the press conference last week and looking at yourself and thinking, what, what are you doing different from that, that back then? And of course, uh, George McCaskey wasn't running the team. That was 35 years ago. George McCaskey was probably 30, if that. He's been, it's probably around 30 around that time because he seems about, about 65 or someplace like that. It seems yeah, like. 65, 70, something like that. Yeah, so he's probably around 30 or whatever. Uh, his brother Michael, I think Michael McCaskey was in charge at that point. Um, didn't do a great job to, to a certain degree um, as far as ownership. But um, what have you done to change to get back to what you were doing back there as far as the drafting that you were doing, the development, uh, the coaching? You know what I'm saying? When's the last time you had a Buddy Ryan already here when a Dicker showed up? And and, and George House is like, you, yeah, you can do whatever, but you're going to leave him right there because he knows what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. just you, what, what are you doing to get back? And I don't, I don't all just mean – doing old things. I'm just saying, looking at what was done back then and applying it now in a newer fashion, perhaps. But also you can look at some of the old things because once old is once is, is new again. So uh, that's really what stands out. It, it makes me upset that um, the Bears are just full of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, yeah. I don't think, I don't look at I don't think George McCaskey is a bad person. Like, I, like compared to, and I hate to say this because you actually talking about someone's family member, let on someone's past. Compared to like Michael McCaskey, Michael McCaskey had a uh, was had a bit of smugness to him, to yeah. say the least. Look you at George compared to like most NFL owners right now. Like, you would love this man if he was able to bring you success. Yeah, and that's what JJ said on the show when he was on here that he's more of a regular cat, and you can I, I, I can get that vibe from him. I haven't met him personally, but we all know about hearing about him walking uh, through the tailgatings, you know, talking to the the, the, the fans and stuff like that. Um, so I, I wish I wish well on George McCaskey. Let me say mm-hmm. that I wish well, but you got to change something up. You know what I'm saying? Because the point that you just made, the fact that the Bears the Bears aren't the Steelers is a problem. To be honest with you, the Bears can at least be the Steelers of the NFC. They should at least be that. You don't have to be the Patriots because that's an outlier. Right. But you should be in a Super Bowl almost every decade at least. You know what I'm saying? It should be like a shade below Green Bay, if anything. Right. True. True. Like that's not asking a lot. And you and one, because those dollars are basically banked now outside of due to this pandemic. They're not. But that money is already in the bank when it comes to fans in the seats and beers being sold. And the television contract is already there. But something something has to change, man, because Chicago deserves better, especially when it comes to football. Like this is a football city when it's like when it comes to football, we deserve dominance. And we have to ask for dominance. So that's what, when I saw that in the Tribune today, that it's been 35 years, I want to uh, finish off my off top, off, off top with. I agree with that completely. I mean, like you said, 35 years, things haven't been going so well. well one Super Bowl and one other Super Bowl appearance, they've had plenty of lackluster seasons, especially of late, like, Look at these four teams we're about to break down. You got to have a quarterback. Like, George, wake the hell up. Like, you need a quarterback. You need somebody that will bring someone in. Like, Sid Luckman is always the Bears' number one quarterback, and you have to go back to the 50s in black and white to see him. Like, like you said, uh, there's just been too many years for this franchise. They've known what their problem with quarterback has been for decades watching Green Bay with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and all that. And Barstar. Right. And seeing just like Tom Brady dominate and 
what, 11 Super Bowls now in 14 years or whatever, or 20 years, however long he's been playing. Like, you've got to understand, you've got to demand it from the people that you have running your franchise. Invest in the freaking position that we can't figure out because that's the one that's holding us back the most by far. And on top of that, to piggyback you, with you, that one covers up a lot of the stink. If you got a quarterback, you can get into the playoffs with a suck-ass team damn near. Not, not, not to say it's going to happen all the time, but a great quarterback. Like, you would think that a team that, that messes up would be like, listen, let's just get a great quarterback because then we can ride him even if we don't make it. One, he's a star. The town will love him. But you would think right. you would opine to be like, dude, get us a quarterback. Like, every other year, you know what? Go go try to get him. You know what I'm saying? Like you and Did Mitch need four years before we finally figured out that Mitch sucked? You really needed four years of that? You had to get the day of denying his ex, like fifth-year extension before it was like, uh, I don't know about Mitch yet. Need some time still. Like, come on. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, that's how I want to close off the off top. You know what? But I want to do something else before we jump into the football. Well, Wudo, do you have any baseball uh, up in your upper grabs? I do not. Okay, so I want to do this real quick. No, no, no. Yeah, I want to do this real quick. Um, so there's not going to be uh, anyone uh, going to the Hall of Fame for this year, even though, remember, the Hall of Fame was canceled last year. So you still have the players from last year joining the Hall of Fame. That yes, didn't, they have uh, not been officially enshrined. They have not been officially enshrined. So those players will be going in now. It would have been additionally with players if someone was added. The closest player with uh, 71% followed 16 votes. I even though I saw some players have 74, uh, was uh, Kurt Schilling. Right. Uh, and behind him was Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens with 61, 61.8 Bonds and 61.6 uh, with Clemens. So I, I want to know your thought. Also, uh, Kurt Schilling said to take him off of the ballot. And next year is the last year that three, the, those three players will be on the ballot um, mm-hmm. after being on there. This is their ninth year and this will be their 10th season. So Kurt Schilling uh, is basically like bump y'all take me off of there. I don't want your Hall of Fame, which, you know, he lied. Um, but what are your thoughts on one? There, there's no one. There was no additions to the to the Hall of Fame, but also on Kershaw's stance. Yeah, I really struggle with that because I hate hearing Kurt Schilling talk, but I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer. If you're just talking about his playing career, I mean, I thought the guy was so dominant in the playoffs and came up so clutch, and that kind of stuff matters so much to me. And, like, we're going to talk about these football games. Like, what the hell is Green Bay doing on that fourth and goal? I'll never understand that. But Kurt Schilling was that guy you gave the ball to when you needed a win, when you needed some outs in the playoffs. So without that steroid part, I mean, I guess I understand that kind of, like, bylaw, if you will, like the integrity of the Hall of Fame. But part of me is just like, you got Bud Selig in there. Like, what? I get it. Maybe Bud didn't outright say horrible things like Kurt Schilling, but he's the one that ruined the game. That's why we have so many guys that were questioning whether they should be in the Hall of Fame because he's like, get the steroids in. Get them in. Get them in. Oh, no steroids. Oh, steroids bad. Screw Barry Bonds. It's just like, I I think the integrity thing's a little bit overblown just because there's a lot of guys that I don't know should be in there if you're keeping the integrity thing. That's what I was going to say. That so, when you Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's just with Kurt Schilling, I would have him in there. And with the other guys, I'm fine with leaving them off if you because we know they got that veterans committee and you can just bring them all in. And if you want to set a precedent like, hey, cheaters got to wait all this time before they can come in, I'm fine with that. But I think all of them will ultimately get in eventually. 
Those three, those three, yeah. Uh, definitely Bonds and Clemens are getting in. I mean, like you said, if, if it's the Veterans Committee, they're getting in. Um, I'll say this. I saw an article with, with Paul Sullivan from the Tribune, uh, and it's talking about just from um, some of the stuff, transphobic, uh, uh, trolling, racist. Right. I mean, just stuff. baseless stuff, like just crap coming out right. of his mouth. But you made a point. Now, Ty Cobb may have not been a murderer. We know that was one of the, the, the sayings back in the days. But we know Ty Cobb was a racist. He All was right. arguably the biggest piece of shit in that hall. Right. And there are more there are more Ty Cobbs. So and now I guess this is the question. Now that we know and we look at those people like Ty Cobb at a different, perhaps in a different light, should we, is that the standard now? Which it probably should be, especially being a person of color. I think we should go by the standard of today. Ah, let's make America great. <laughs> make the Hall of Fame. Right? But um, still, you, the clutchness of Kurt Schilling, the dominance when it counted, um, man, dude, I, I have to say, uh, I will probably have him in my hall. He just can't say nothing. I mean, yeah. you, know, you can't. You can't even give a speech. <laughs> like just, just in case. Let me see that speech. Let me see that. Nah, nah. Like I we've assigned someone to you. Don't worry. We got like, it covered. I would um and had that mic ready to get pulled. Like right. Pull it. Pull it. Like, you see the string on top of it. Right. Like, <laughs> a literal yank. Yank that thing. Uh, but I would probably put him in my hall. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's just because of what he did on the field, you know. But I, I, I can say in saying that, and while sometimes when you're talking and you're developing the question, you this question actually changes, or perhaps the answer, I should say, changes. Because if we can say at one point, um, yeah, you know, people viewed other human beings like this and that we've progressed, quote unquote, since then. Then to people today, if we have progressed, should be held to a higher standard than the people when the norm was not to look at people in this, as being equals to you. So I could say that I, I could be wrong in saying that Kurt Frank, I mean, Kurt Schilling should be in, not Kurt Franklin, because Kurt Franklin is in my Hall of Fame. GP, are you with me? <laughs> no, but, uh, no, but um, maybe I'm, I'm wrong by putting Kurt Schilling in my Hall of Fame because I'm not handed, I'm not holding him to the standard of today. I agree with that, and I definitely have been debating that. But like I said, I don't necessarily – like, I have a problem with Ty Cobb. I don't have as much of a problem, but I got a big problem with a guy like Bud Selig going in a few years ago. Like, a guy that completely had no integrity as commissioner of baseball. And it's not the same stuff. It's not the same thing. Like, I think what Kurt Schilling is doing is much more harmful to society than obviously what Bud Selig did. But I think it's a slippery slope when you get into this integrity game. And that's what that's the only part I don't like about it. But I also don't want to hear a speech from him. You definitely brought up a great point with that. The last thing I wanted to hear is Kurt Schilling behind a microphone. Yeah, I mean, and when listen, slippery slope can be applied to what social media companies have been doing to the former president. Listen, like I just gotta say this. They popped in my pillow guy. This yep. week. Mike Lindell. Listen, who the hell wanted to see what he had to say on Twitter anyway? <laughs> I remember just being in North Dakota. We had all these my pillow commercials from Mike Lindell. That's the only reason why I know. Really? Yeah. Because yeah, he's from Minnesota. That's where he started my pillow. Yeah. If you turn to Fox, you're gonna see them bad them joints all the time on Fox I don't, News. I don't know. Right, he he basically keeps that network on the air uh, with my pillow. I think uh, Tucker Carson has like. 
all my pillow commercials and like one other commercial, but the rest is just my pillow, my pillow commercials. But yeah, that and you you brought this up. That can that censorship uh, can be a slippery slope. You know what I'm saying? Because when do you when does it flip to the other side? You know sure. what I'm saying? And, and, and it's the speech of the people that you like. You like what they're saying that's uh, different from what they're saying on what the ops are saying. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I agree with you. We, morally, sometimes when you say you have to be like this, you're putting yourself in a situation that when it's reversed on you, how would you feel? Uh, but so, I'll say this, too. Some some of these MFs have crossed the damn line. And that's it. And, and the line, and and the, and the line and when you see that and I'm sorry, I'm going to take this to the side note that people are getting censured for stating facts and being brave Americans. All right. Like Dick Cheney's daughter, like, like the fact that she got censured for being like the president should get impeached for sending a mob to bang up the Capitol building is ridiculous. Like, and the fact that we're still believing um, fabrications and act not acting like adults is ridiculous. Like we like, we, and the fact that, Elected officials are so afraid of losing their damn jobs. All, most of you people who are going to make money, regardless of being in that situation or not, so afraid of losing your job that you're like, you know what? Don't be mad about the lie. Just don't be mad that they did some shit they was never supposed to do. Oh, y'all want to start this shit up? No, you were supposed to stop the shit from happening in the first place by telling these MFs, man, you know they is lying they ass up. Listen, Dominion, you... You bring Giuliani down and you make sure that fool has to sit there and say, man, I was lying. All right. I was so I was lying so hard, man. Did you see that coming down the side of my face? Pure lies, pure lies and deceit. But I, again, I didn't mean to go into a flip. <laughs> but it happens sometimes. It's that damn Kurt Schilling. We can blame him again. Right. Kurt would do it. I'm just looking up to my idol, Kurt Schilling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what that's what happened. We were in the flip, though. That would have happened. To, that was Kurt Schilling's Hall of Fame speech, but he would have been saying that to liberals about liberals right. or whatever, right? So just just you damn dumb maggots, <laughs> socialist bastards, <laughs> liberal tears. Oh, but all right, all right, all right, all right. So listen, last week was Championship Sunday, right? And uh, first game, it looked like it was going to be like I, I don't believe that was week. Uh, Week seven or week six or seven, I can't remember, when Green Bay versus Tampa Bay and Tampa jumped on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers out there like he wet the bed, like, ah! It got out of hand. It was like his only bad game of the year, basically. Oh, no, it was definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, it's bad, bad. And uh, the first game uh, Sunday, uh, the NFC Championship game, it looked the same way briefly. Like, oh. How the hell was that the the early game, by the way? I I thought that, too. Because they were East Coast, they were Midwest and Eastern Eastern teams. Was it also because Fox is not the host and CBS wanted the late spot or something? I was well, wondering that. Out. You had you had Kansas City going against Buffalo, but you were doing it for Kansas City because that's the draw. And Kansas City was going to draw in more West Coast viewers probably than. And I know it's, it's Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady, but still, it's in their time zone too. So I think that's probably. What would, have, what would the reason why that you had that? That's the reason. That's what I told myself. I'm with you. I thought it should have been a late game. Uh, me personally, um, but you know when you have to tell game, you want to get those Kansas City people time to lather up at Arrowhead. You want to get lathered. But uh, <laughs> but listen, game. Uh, uh, listen, first half. Tom Brady did his dizzle. That that TD throw to Miller at the end of the half from Barrington. 
was about to be a backbreaker to say the least. Um, and then Tom Brady oh, proceeded. Shit. Tom Brady proceeded to throw three interceptions and get a game back to Green Bay. Who, and I'll say this much, and I mean the game's been discussed now. The fact that Aaron Rodgers on that 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 third didn't run it into the end zone, and he maybe he wouldn't have made it, but he would have gotten them so close to the end zone because the first time that he broke, because this was the second time, there was a defender there. I see, I saw why. I believe he threw the ball at that time. The second time he had space. And he got he. I felt like he felt like an old man. Like man, I don't know. And it was like, no, nah, a Rod, you got to do this right now. You got to get back to your old ways. That was on him. All right, because that was an opportunity. Also, the fact that uh, he went to Devontae Adams three times, and on the third time, Lazard was open on on a slant at the front of the end zone. That was on him. He did not. It was trying to prove a point by trying to get to Devontae Adams. This game was too vital for you to do that. You need to get it to the open man. So that was on Aaron Rodgers too. But not giving the ball to Aaron Rodgers, well, two things. Not uh, um, sitting there and going for that two-point conversion instead of just kicking that field goal made no sense at that point. It may because you're in a situation where this defense is playing you so well, Tampa Bay's defense. And when you can pack the field by in a two-point conversion where basically you're in you're within seven yards of, of, of the end zone there's and there's not enough space to get your man open all the time like the, the, the um I'm sure the percentages of success dwindle dramatically you know what I'm saying so mm-hmm. all you needed to do was kick the field goal at that point you know what I'm saying like that's what you needed to do because the last thing you wanted to do was be in a situation which they were where they had to get eight points to tie the game you know how impossible it is to be like all right we may be able to score a touchdown. But then you're like, oh, yeah, and you have to get the two? Dude, in the back of your mind, you're like, man, listen, I know we got Aaron Rodgers, but this is a hard game today, and I don't know about that. So that's on Matt LaFleur. And then lastly, you kicking the field goal and not going for it with Aaron Rodgers. Like, Matt LaFleur showed his age in this game, um, and I think that was one of the big problems. And I, I'm not dissing him because it takes time to grow. No, it, it takes time. He hasn't been in this situation before. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a young coach he hasn't been in this situation now hopefully the next time he's in this situation he benefits from the failure that he 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 had in this situation like that's that that's what you want that he doesn't put you in this situation again because this year he's been a successful coach you got him and him and uh, him and Aaron Rodgers have formed a Vulcan mind meld uh to say the least so uh that's I do wonder if there's a little McCarthy though there there's a little McCarthy just because they are better than they were obviously at the end of McCarthy Rogers, but they're pretty similar in the beginning stages of McCarthy Rogers so far. Right. But I'll say this. He's, he does more because McCarthy basically was winning because at that point they had Greg Jones, Donald driver and uh, Jordy Nelson. Right. And he was like, I like beat him off, beat him off the line was basically what he was asking the receivers to do. And the NFL changed to where there was a lot more motion. And you see, mo- listen, you see, I was surprised, but no, I, I wasn't surprised. They did run the play where they sit there and they send uh, Devontae Adams in motion. He, come, he, he comes across, he goes back, and before he, he instead of coming going all the way back, he goes back that way. And Green Bay uh, sussed that one out. You know what I'm saying? They, they, not Green Bay. Tampa Bay was on them on that one. You know what I'm saying? But the point that I'm trying to make is um, I disagree because Matt LaFleur... Well, hold on, hold on. I'm just saying maybe. I'm not okay. I'm not, not throwing him in the McCarthy. I'm just saying like right he, now... Like he talks to you. 
right now it kind of feels like they have to get to a Super Bowl pretty soon or you're not going to have Aaron Rodgers, and then I don't know how good Matt LaFleur is as a coach. Great. That, that's, and that'll let us know. You know what I'm saying? But also, think about it like this. Well, I'll say it like this. Best, best part would be at this point if he is Mike McCarthy. Because remember, Mike McCarthy got the best out of uh, Brett Favre. Remember Brett Favre was like, I don't read no playbook and yeah. do all that. And Brett Favre has got into his playbook uh, the last two seasons in Green Bay. And then when we was like, okay, we saw Aaron Rodgers in preseason. But then when he started, it was like, damn. So if Matt LaFleur can transition off of Aaron Rodgers due to age and he wants out or they decide to go to Jordan Love and Jordan Love, it starts off with the career that Aaron Rodgers had. Listen, that's that's somewhat of a success. Oh, yeah. That's somewhat. Of, but I, I still get your point. But, you know, we just have to find out. You know what I'm saying? We just have to find out. But th- those were the things that, that stood out to me. You had the uh, the Tom Brady stands who uh, was like, man, see, that game proved it. I mean, I, of course, it should be proven that uh, uh, when it comes to accolades and winning, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, but it was like, that was a bad time. That was a bad game right there. You shouldn't be bad jumping. Half. He had a yeah, good half. You're right. you're right. That was a bad half. But the second half call is the one that counts the most. But uh, yeah. But then, you know what? He straightened out the ship and he got he got the first downs and he did what he had yeah. to do. Well, your I, thoughts? that's why I had such a big problem with Matt LaFleur in that game. I actually didn't mind the two-point conversion just because it's kind of the same thinking. If you don't get it and you go for four, a field goal doesn't help you. You still have to go for a touchdown. So I understood going for two because you wanted to get it to a three-point game. And then obviously it didn't work out. And then it's an eight-point game, right? So I don't get where the disconnect happened where all of a sudden you were super aggressive. You didn't want to fall below a touchdown. But now you're going for a field goal on fourth and goal, when it really doesn't help you because you need another touchdown. And I was, I was shocked. I was like, I had some friends over. We were just watching. And I was just like, man, I guess you got to go for it. I'm fourth and goal. Like this is MVP. Full of that you know? Oh, Full yeah. That oh, that's Full Arizona, that. baby. Were y'all, ma- were y'all masked up? Hell no. This is Arizona. We don't wear masks down here. <laughs> all right. You got all the new strains out there. You're going to grow a tail. But yeah, please continue. But I just thought, like, MVP, freaking Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to go with this defense? Like, yeah, they've been getting some interceptions, but I didn't feel like they were playing particularly well. I mean, yeah, they were bad. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, they only were carried by Aaron Rodgers. No, they held their own in a sense, but it wasn't like – like, I, I was much more impressed with the Bucks defense and how they played the Packers. And you brought up those three turnovers. They only got six points off those three turnovers with two – Three and ounce, I think. Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Like, whoa, great job, Bucks defense. Like, Tom Brady was moving that ball, and then he just threw some errant passes, and they became interceptions. That's a little bit different than let's hold you to a three and out when Aaron Rodgers is the king of slaying you after a turnover. So the other problem I had with Matt LaFleur is it doesn't sound like he really communicated with Aaron Rodgers on what they were doing with that fourth and goal, whether it was going to be kicked or not. And – you got to let Aaron Rodgers know. Like, he has to know, especially if you say he's calling the play on third and goal, but then he has no idea what we're doing on fourth and goal. Like, 
Aaron Rodgers has to do what he has to do. He has to try to go for a touchdown because he doesn't know what's going to happen. Where I agree with you, he should have ran. But this is why I think it would have been easier for Aaron Rodgers to run if he knows it's two down territory. Run, slide, get down to the three-yard line, and then it's like, oh, my gosh, you have so many options with the run, with a big personnel package and doing some kind of play-action rollout. You can still spread everybody out like you've been doing on the previous downs around the seven- or eight-yard line. And if it doesn't work, you pin Tampa deep inside the 10-yard line versus just doing a punt and then – you know, you get the three and out, or I'm sorry, the kickoff. You get the three and out, you're hoping with those four timeouts, they're going to punt it away. You're going to be at your 20-yard line. Mm-hmm. Like, I just thought that made zero sense whatsoever. And Matt LaFleur, I thought, really bumped it, bumped in that game. He did. Time. He did. It's not even a question he did. He, he definitely did. Um, I don't know if we have to go over the second game because, baby, yeah, no, was baby. that surprising? No, I mean, you know, I'm hearing a lot of baby goats, and I'm I'm starting to get upset. I'm starting to get upset. That was coined much sooner on this show than any of those. Because who was I listening? To? It was Nate Burleson on the post game said baby goat. I was like, whoa, Dude, Nate. I've had, and I'm not joking. I've had at least four to five words that have traveled around the world. All right, in my lifetime, and I I named that man baby goat two seasons ago. All right. Yeah. Two, you named him. Was that right after the Super Bowl or right after the loss to Tom Brady? It was one of those. It was the, that. I think it was during. I don't even think it was in the playoffs. I think it was before the playoffs, but definitely two years ago, I named Patrick Mahomes baby goat. All right. Like, just like I said, when I forced after, I was like, who is that? She's like, Patrick Mahomes. And I was like, what do I call him? She's like, baby. Like, I named him baby goat. And I think you're Demon. right. I, I think I actually saw someone else do that. Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of baby goats. Hey, I listen, I wanted to finish Lord to take off, but uh, my man didn't do what he had to do. All right. <laughs> Lord didn't do what he needed. I thought the finish Lord was going to be able to do That's it. your problem. You got to right. go with the black, not the fin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I've had something that failed, like track Mitch. You know what I'm saying? Like I had something that just it didn't take off, but baby goat. Yeah, that one, uh, that one. And the funny thing is I've been in my head, like, well, so how old has he got to be before I snatch that baby off there, right? Like, you yeah. know, like what happened? I mean, speed? two rings, that's, you got to kind of throw nah, that baby off, right? No, nah, he's got to be baby gold at least into his fifth to sixth season in the league. Okay, at least. so it's an age thing. Because, like, he'll have more rings than Breeze and Rodgers if he wins this. I got more rings than Breeze. I want this Aaron Rodgers, so I love him. But <laughs> I do. I do. I, I they both got one more than Mitch. I don't care. I, I know it's funny to talk to people in Chicago, and I get it. But uh, yeah, I, I love me some Aaron Rodgers. I'm not, and I'm not a Green Bay f- fan, like one of those weird people that moved to Wisconsin to become yeah. Green Bay fans. But I, I do. I, I like Aaron Rodgers. I just love it better when he loses in the playoffs. I want him to win, but I'll take. You know what? I will take Brady. I will take Brady versus Mahomes. Um, uh, this is a question. I was on a. Um, I was doing a show, uh, Man of Mondays. I was on there with Sean Davis, uh, producer down at ESPN. Also, uh, you can find him under the hood. Um, his buddy and uh, also another uh, minister in Mikhail Harris and uh, Tony. Uh, we were on there uh, talking religion yesterday. And Mikhail mm-hmm. asked a question. And he said he wants to see it on one of our platforms. And I, I, I'll propose this question to you, Ryan. He said that, can Patrick Mahomes be the GOAT if Tom Brady beats him in the Super Bowl? I would say yes, 
because GOAT is partially perception. There is always going to be changing of the GOATs, especially in the social media and crazy fan world. Like, there used to be a lot more respect with our legends back in the day with athletes. And nowadays, like, I hear it with some of these kids I talk to at work and stuff like that. Like, man, like, you just want to be in the presence of the GOAT. And if you didn't really catch much of Tom Brady's career, like, why would you care that much of Tom Brady? But if you're going to see a lot of Patrick Mahomes, you just want to feel like you're a part of something. And he'll have enough credentials to be in the argument or at least probably the second most credentials in the argument. So in that sense, I think he can catch him. But ultimately, I, I don't know, some of those stats with Tom winning, especially in the postseason, like that stuff blows me away. And it blows me away how so many people want to almost just gloss over that stuff and just be like, oh, well, he had Bill Belichick. Oh, well, he had the Patriots. I mean, like he has accomplished a ton. Seeing him do what he did in this playoffs would just win, baby. All I do is win. And if he finds a way to beat Mahomes, I think that would be maybe his arguably his best Super Bowl mm. as a as a player. So maybe that boosts him much higher. But I ultimately think he's going to put, hang up the cleats in a couple of years, and we're going to see, what, probably another 20 years of Mahomes, something like that. Like, there's going to be this next generation that's going to just say, I didn't see much of Tom Brady. What do I care about Tom? Look at this dude. He's throwing no-look passes, and he's got multiple rings. A lot that's the goal. I'm with you. It's a lot of Super Bowls, though. So I, this is what I said. I think it becomes harder for Patrick Mahomes if he lost to Tom Brady in a head-to-head matchup because he's not going to catch him in Super Bowl ranks, right? Like Probably not. Probably it would be not. And, and, and definitely not in Super Bowl appearances, Hell right? No. So, uh, and, and also, I'll say this too. Tom Brady benefited from playing in a weak-ass AFC East, all right? Oh. And even right now, the AFC West isn't that 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 type of well, maybe it is that type of week, but it won't stay like that. You got you got Justin Herbert coming, all right. Denver's defense is still good if Von Miller's healthy. If they can figure out the quarterback situation, you know what I'm saying. And then you have the Raiders. And look, Chucky probably they're probably going to be straight next year. You know what I'm saying to say the least. If they can sit there and uh, if they decide to keep uh, Derek Carr, not depending on which way they go with that, and if they uh, depending on whatever offensive players or defensive players, particularly they bring in or whatever. So I think the the, the AFC West is going to be harder perennially than what the AFC East was from Tom Brady during his reign at the top of that. Um, but uh, I, I do think he will have an argument. But it'll be because of his physical skills, is what you alluded to as far as the no-look passes. Some of his stats are going to be through the roof, too. Um, but again, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see someone make it to that many Super Bowls. And I'll say this, too. He's not going to benefit from having 20 years with Andy Reid. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, so it, it, Andy Reid isn't, isn't Bill Belichick, but he's one of the, the greater coaches. He's definitely the, probably the second best coach of this generation behind Belichick. Right. Um and I mean, he's got to retire. You would think within five, six he, years. He said he was going. He, remember, he just signed an extension because it looked like he was going to retire, right? So, and I think that extension is to like twenty twenty five. So, like, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, like, at, at, he like he listen. Best case scenario, Patrick Mahomes gets eight to nine more years out of Andy Reid, right? 
So, and, and, and but at one point, he's yeah. he's not going to have, and uh, he's not going to benefit from having a great coach who Tom Brady uh, had for majority of his for all of his career. You know, until he got with Bruce Arians, who was a very good coach, um, to say the least. So, um, yeah, I think he can to answer Mikel's question. Um, but it's if it, but it's harder when you have a head to head matchup and you lost to that guy. You know, I, I think it, it bears weight. I would still point out to like, hey, when they saw each other, Brady got his butt. You know what I'm saying? I was still especially point that out. if there's no Belichick to me. Like when you see no Bill Belichick on the sideline, mm-hmm. that's I mean, the dude's 43 and he's acting like he's a New England Patriot, basically just doing the same things like. That means a lot to me personally. Like, I just think that that shows so much of what Tom's greatness is. If you spend 20 years up under me and I'm great, I hope you leave and you're great. You spend hey, we years. know that that's not a fact because we know you could have Bill Belichick here tomorrow in Chicago and he couldn't do ish with Mitch. I bet you he could. Oh, boy. Jared Stidham part two? I bet you he could. But anyway. Yeah, uh, convention. Just, I just, <laughs> I want to say, I want to ask you that question, uh, and we'll definitely do our Super Bowl discussion next week. I don't feel like there's any really reason for us to jump into it uh, this weekend, and then we'll start looking at what's going to take place uh, with the Bears. And also, shout out, you know, what I'm saying last week, uh, you seen JJ Sankovich on this show twice. Um, love some JJ, man. Shout out to JJ. You know, with the marketing things changing, uh, he's not at NBC Sports Chicago here uh, anymore, uh, but he's going to find uh, uh, even a better gig um, and wish him the best. Star. Yeah, wish him the best, JJ. So just letting you know, we're thinking about you, man. And it, uh, Listen, you, you'll be, you're going to make it, bro. Uh, but yeah, so you know what time it is. Is it that time? I think it's time to go up the grabs. With Ryan Bukovsky. Ryan B. Ski, what you got for me? Well, I was debating a few things, but honestly, I would like a nice long discussion on number eight slash 24, because today on the 26th, it's the one year anniversary of Kobe's passing along with Gigi, his daughter, and the five others, including the pilot. And I saw an interesting article on him. But I just, I guess, wanted to get your thoughts a year later, how you feel. I know that when we talked about this before, we were extremely emotional and extremely upset. And I think when we, like, really discussed it the first time, we really couldn't take any type of joy in Kobe's career yet because it was just too soon and it was just too, like, raw and real. So I guess on top of remembering Kobe – has that has those feelings changed at all? Do you appreciate Kobe a little bit more now? Is it still just as sad as ever? I know no, a lot I, of Lakers oh, feel I that way. I, I um, so we're talking uh, weekend Gabe. Shout out to weekend Gabe. Had me and Dion um, about an hour ago, a little bit more than an hour ago, and um, well, he brought up how so many people in Chicago didn't like Kobe because he was coming for Mike's greatness. Mm-hmm. And I told him that by year three or four of Kobe's career, I said, get that. I'm about to enjoy this because this is the closest thing I'm going to see to Mike. Right. Like, and I swear, like I said that I'm like, why am I going to not take advantage of seeing something very close to my favorite athlete? Right. And, I, and the thing about it was that um, physically there have been more, they've been players that are physically gifted, uh, better, phys- that are more physically gifted than Kobe Bryant is how I should put that. LeBron James? 
Yeah, LeBron, listen, his early contemporaries in uh, Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady were physically were more talented than him. Tracy McGrady, when he got to Orlando, was a better shooter than Kobe. Guess what Kobe kept doing? Shoot. Listen, Vince Carter was more clutch. People forget, like, that second and third year of Vince Carter, dog, he was closing games out with, like, swish. Not just, uh, he was closing. He had, he had, it may not have been like um, Brandon Roy. I'm trying to think, I love to think about guys who Hmm, were like that. Or Mello in Denver. Mello in Denver was clutch. Yes, he was. Mello in Denver was he, now he wasn't that, but Vince Carter, he was he was a tick below that. Uh, I like that was, Brandon Royce. Stay uh, there. Brandon, Brandon Ward was clutch. Yes, man. he was. Um uh but still the thing that that also I think made us enjoy Kobe, even with having a love for Mike, was that his dogged mentality. That's how he he beat them he outworked them. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he wanted to put his foot on him. So that also, even though we didn't want him to surpass Mike, it also, it led to ha- have an affinity for him because he was so much like Mike and not just because he, he stole how Mike, or imitated how Mike walked and how he played, but the, 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 um, the, mor- the, 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 the moral fibers of, the, of, of Mike, of the sports wise fibers, I should say, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the competitive fibers of Mike the uh, professionalism of I'm going to bust my ass to be as best as I could. That also was a part of Kobe. Today I find myself being like, what would Kobe do as far as like, just trying to do this show better? Like I got to, I got to get on my mom mentality. I was thinking like me and Ryan need to have a meeting. Right. Like we didn't meet. We got to get on some, some Mamba mentality. Yeah. Um, So then we went into discussion of like the 81 point game. And I, I brought up this, I said, I think, that was either a Super Bowl or a championship game. And Gabe looked it up while we were talking. He's like, you're right. It was a championship Sunday. Because I remember thinking nobody was watching Kobe in Toronto because it was we're all watching football. At, uh, oh, uh, I didn't know that was championship Sunday. That was championship Sunday, right? It was the 22nd of January, wow. I believe. Uh, so we were sitting there. So because I definitely remember like, damn, I was like, Kobe was like, yeah, y'all watching that football. I'm going to show your ass. Um, and then thinking about. Is that the, the greatest uh, game, by the way? No. Did you get Will's 100? Kobe got to shoot threes. I agree. I would put like, that Kobe and, and game not, not even just that, got to shoot threes. The league hit. Because, I mean, you could shoot threes since, what, the late 70s or early 80s? I think it's yeah. the late 70s. Maybe, maybe 70s, late 80s. Maybe yeah, so, it wasn't late 80s. It was early 80s. Was early 80s. It right. Yeah. If it wasn't late 70s, it was early 80s. But I believe, I think it was late 70s where the three-point line came into the NBA. All right. Um, but th- also there's a difference from how it's been used. So like growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, if you took six threes, that was like, damn, you are out here gunning. Right. Now Richie Miller, up, okay. Yeah. Now you put up 13 on a whim. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's a, that's a light night, basically. So the usage of the three also changes. So no, because I can even no Wilt doing it. David Robinson put up like seventy one, beating Shaq on the last day of a of, of, of for a scoring title when his team just fed him the ball or whatever. Um, the, when you when you when Wilt and again Wilt was a physical specimen, but he he's going to the rim with people hanging on him right, right. and like scoring twos. Right, the like, next, oh, like the highest guy is five eleven to the right. seven footer. So, uh, but I'll say this too, because that was a question of some of your fondest memories. And I brought the time when he pulled his shirt and uh, he was like, you know, showing his heart, a couple of different moves. But the Matt Barnes that always oh, yeah. sticks with me. Mm. But I, 
I brought up this. I don't know who, and this also made it so sweet out, outside of them losing the final. I don't know who was watching uh, Golden State win their 73rd game. Because I know my butt was in Staples Center as far as TV-wise, watching Kobe go for 60 in his last game. Yeah. And I remember thinking he was going to say Mamba out, and his ass did it. But to really get to the sentimental part of it. By the way, Kobe, real quick. Go ahead, please. Stevie, huge, huge Kobe Bryant fan. Loves I Kobe. Bet. I bet. Like, I was at his apartment watching that thing, the 60-point mm. game. Because he was like, I ain't watching that Golden State-ish. I'm watching Kobe. Worst part of the Golden State-ish is that I believe the Grizzlies almost beat them. And they had almost beat them a week before to stop that. Right? It was like, really, Grizz? Could you just do the solid for us or whatever? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Stupid Memphis. But um, the thing is this, too. Kobe Bryant um, was so great in so many things. Um, but he accomplished a lot. Like he was a bright light that made him burnt fast. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And like he was he was one of the great he's the second second greatest shooting guard ever. All right. Mm-hmm. Ever. And that's in the you can go he's jumping over a lot of cats, you know what I'm saying, when you're saying that. Second second greatest shooting guard ever. Um he it, the, the schism between him and Mike isn't like this. It's much more like this. You know what I'm saying? It's right. much it's much more like that. Um, and there are parts of his game that are, he, he's he's a pure better pure shooter than Mike is. You know what I'm saying? Because um, he, he, he knew earlier on, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get this down early or whatever. Um, but the thing that sticks out to me the most, I was watching the NBA jump on ESPN. They had a two-hour special. And I was fine. I was doing some work. And it was seeing all the pictures of Gigi from when she was three um, seeing like Kobe come into the hallway, she run and I, and I thought about this field trip I went on with Kelsey last year before the pandemic. Oh and yeah, I remember this. We were at the Shed Aquarium, and um, I had like when you know you go on a field trip, you got it, you got all the kids' lunches, right? So I had this huge bag, like a, a, a Santa sack, right? Uh, oh, and it, and it was it, it was a Santa sack, <laughs> but also had a cart. It was in a big wagon that I was pulling through Santa sleigh. Santa Slay, right? <laughs> and um and we were at the we were at the bottom where you can see uh um the um I forget what type of uh what type of animals they they, they hold captive there. Uh it's not um they're not whales, they're uh the beluga whales, right? The belugas, they're belugas, you're right, the belugas. So um we're down there where you can you go down and you look into the tank where the belugas are at and not because we had just come from autopsy and them dance for us right. for their little fish, right? Dance captives, dance. Free right. homies. My slaves. Right? Dance. Free the homies. But um so we were sitting down there and I had went I had moved away from the group because I had all this stuff. And where I had I moved and come closer and Kelsey saw me and I was on the other side of the room and she did like this and ran through, zigzag through people, right? And just came up and, and grabbed me, right? Um, and the, this, this other parent, she, she goes after her and, she, and she, she's going to get her. And then she sees, uh, she, I think she had her hand on her and she sees that she came to me and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I said, no, you did the right thing. Like, you didn't know where she was going, right? Like, chase the police, chase after her or whatever. It made me think about that moment and just think about, and this is one thing Dee was saying, on um, the show with Gabe as far as your relationship with your daughter and is in the differences. I mean, I love both my kids. I don't love one of my kids more than the other. Um, but I say with me, I didn't grow up with any sisters. Um, 
so I didn't have, I never had a young lady in the house with me. You know what I'm saying? So, and then me and my bro, older brother, we used to want a younger sister uh, growing up. But I never had one. So seeing a young female Davis is 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 different. You know what I'm saying? Because I see boy Davises. I'm one of them, right? Like right. it's it's not too much boy Davis. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I had I had two brothers, you know what I'm saying? I had an older I mean, I have one older brother, I have a younger brother who unfortunately passed last year. Um, rest in power, bro. Um so like so that 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 was the thing was like seeing Gigi and I always talk about where I didn't know initially when they used to show two years ago footage of uh, Kobe and Gigi, it seemed like in a home gym, and she was using her shoulder to create space for her jumper. I thought that was the oldest one because I didn't know Gigi had stretched out like that. You know what I'm saying? And to know how great and how it seemed like this girl, listen, she was going to be a college. We could, she was going to make it to the WNBA. Now, people said she could have been the greatest. Perhaps she could have. Genetically, she had the genes in her, and it seems like she had the drive in her. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, um, but I don't want to focus on her athletic prowess outside of the fact that it, it, it it's relatable to her father and that it, it, it makes their connection purer because you know that that's how he found basketball again through her eyes and enjoying basketball because he wasn't coming back to Staples for any of that, especially when they was losing. Um, but that's when I, my eyes started to water a little bit today, thinking about that young person who who didn't get to do anything almost in this, this, yeah. this world. Um, and then Kobe was just 41 years old. So, I mean, he had, he had 40 more years at least, if not more of living, but still that young girl. And then those other two young kids and those parents, um, but those young people, it, it kind of touched me um, today. So I can appreciate um, the greatness of Kobe Bryant's just dominating and wanting to just rip out his opponent's heart and, and, and uh, uh, taking take taking uh, no no casualties or you know like prison y'all all, yeah thank you I was trying to say taking no prison y'all all dying all right like everyone's getting hit today with this gun um, I I appreciate that and being someone who grew up um, uh, admiring Michael Jordan and I never look at some of these guys like they're my um, idols or my like my role models you know so I've never um, I've never really done that with athletes for the most part I don't believe so. But um, I can admire that in Kobe Bryant and then going on uh, to, to, to run an Oscar, you know what I'm saying? And just, you know, his, his dedication to the fine, the fine details and things is what I want to try to work better on in my life. And also just the hard work you have to put on, uh, put in. That's what I want. But the, the Gigi is the thing that really and I think every time this time this comes around for years, her she's the she's the thing that kind of breaks me. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't have that same quite connection. But obviously, you're a human parent losing a kid. I mean, a seven year old person not living life, just period. And especially when you have such a bright future ahead of you and knowing that Gigi, I mean, she was going to be around one way or the other, whether it was WNBA, you know, uh, Connecticut, UConn, yeah. yeah, UConn star, whatever, maybe making it to the NBA, maybe doing something else, who knows, just within the game. But definitely, I think what hurts me the most still with the Kobe thing right now is what you just kind of talked about. Like, I remember just growing up, we would always watch the Oscars for some reason. Not a big movie family, but we would just always watch the Oscars. And I was watching that Oscar. And I was just so thrilled to see Kobe. And just in that moment, 
I thought, man, it's so rare to see an athlete just hang up the shoes or the cleats or the jersey, whatever, and just like dominate the next part of their career. And it just seemed like with that Oscar, it was like, boom, I'm here, folks, and I ain't going anywhere. And it just felt like there was so much left to his life and seeing him coach, seeing him do all these different things, like inspired me, especially at around my age, being 30, now 31, about to be 32, like just knowing that there's so much more life after your youth and maybe you have a first part or first chapter that you really love, but there's still a lot more chapters that you can definitely write and you can take advantage of because there's a long life if you're able to live it. And that's the thing that kills me, which is Kobe. Just, I think like what you just said, how I don't really look at athletes as role models, but I think Kobe could have been a role model for me based on the way he was transitioning from being an athlete to what else he was doing. That was role model-esque to me, more so than him being that great player that he was. I'll say this too, Ryan, just to make you feel better. Most people don't hit their professional prime until they're in their 40s. Like, you know, you know, like usually you're not a CEO at 25. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not like, a wonder, kid. Yeah, but most people aren't. So you still got some time. Uh, ahead of you to, to strike all the success that you will you, you rightfully deserve. So don't even worry about it, man. But it just was the inspiration of Kobe. Yeah, like I it just yeah. it really just showed like, man, if you are driven enough, you can be you can move on from being this all-time great basketball player to an all-time great at anything potentially. If you have that same drive and that same work ethic. That's the thing. If you that's the thing that and I know I'll I'll never constantly do it because to a certain degree, maybe you got to be born with it. But that's what I, today I thought about a lot, like that type of work ethic. Like when you saw hear people talk about just watching him work out, right? Like when you hear Kobe talking about getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning, in the off season and saying by year four or five, whoever was his, 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 his counterpart, they weren't getting up that early. So he has so many more hours ahead of them that they were never going to be able to catch up to him. Like that's where it's like, I'll say this much. I do want some, I want more mama mentality inside of me. You know what I'm saying? There, there can definitely, there's room for a lot more mama mentality. And that's, um, that's what I, I, I'll take from it as far as, you know what, man, go harder. You know what I'm saying? Like that, go harder, man. Cause it's short. And now another reason, cause it's short, baby. It's a, it's a short. Be. This is short, quick ride. Now, I want to say this, too. And I brought this up on, on Gabe's show. Um, friend of the show, uh, contributor We Are Reading Radio, Chris Pennant, has a post on um, Facebook. And he was talking about mortality and how Kobe's passing had him really thinking about his mortality. And it was poignant. And um, I, I, I wrote on there, you know, unfortunately, I think about my mortality a lot. You know, I didn't get into why because it wasn't necessarily about me. I said, I hope I don't. I stop. I thought about I, I wake up in the morning. I think about my mortality. I think about my kids being there um, without me. It's funny. I was getting out of the shower today and I was thinking about this dream I used to have when I was a kid. And it was a dream that my father died. I had it twice. And I would wake up out of my dream crying. Right. And I would go, you know, hug my dad. And when I got older, um, and thinking like, okay, is that dream, you know, is that dream about me or whatever? Um, I, I realized perhaps that dream wasn't me and my dad, but what if that dream was me and Kenton and it was about me? 
leaving. You know what I'm saying? So that was that when he said that, I thought like, and I tell myself like, I just got to appreciate this life and get out of that it's going to come to an end one day. Because yep. sometimes I'm, I'm walking through it. I'm not living in it. And the pandemic hasn't helped it. So I definitely just, that, that's just the thought. And um, I just, I said this at my father's funeral, not to be uh, staying on death, but I said, just live, just live. You know what I'm saying? And I was 20 some years, that was 20, that was 21 years ago. And I said, hey. just live, yeah, just live. Um, so that's what I want to leave. Live and appreciate, you just said it. Yeah, that's Live what, and appreciate. We want to leave this show with, uh, as Ryan said, live and appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back with Flipping Friends this weekend. We'll be back with Super Bowl discussion next week. Uh, but please, man, enjoy your life. Better yourself and better those around you. Uh, but just live, man. It's, that's the thoughts from that David show with Ryan Bukovic and myself. We definitely always appreciate it.